Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church celebrates the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord in the Temple. Now, it's unique that this celebration and feast falls on a Sunday. Therefore, it gives us a great opportunity to reflect upon it, and it's a very interesting story. Now, this story is found in Luke's Gospel, and Luke is always fascinated by the Temple. Remember how the Gospel story begins. In the Temple, Zechariah is in the temple and the angel Gabriel appears to him and gives him the great message that he and his wife Elizabeth will bear a child. Notice how the gospel ends with Luke. It ends in the temple again. Jesus ascends back into heaven and the apostles go into the temple praising God and waiting for Pentecost. Now throughout the gospel of Luke, there's a lot of temple references that are made. Now why was that? Why was the temple so important for the ancient Israelites? Well, the temple was, in a literal sense, the dwelling of the Lord. Of all the mountains in the world, Yahweh preferred Mount Zion, which was where Jerusalem was, the capital city. There he chose to live. It was his place that he encountered par excellence, the meeting between God and humanity. More to it, It was the temple that maintained the Israelites in a people in their identity as the chosen people of God, as well as their mission, you know, throughout the world to bring the worship, the right worship of the one true God to the entire world. The temple was also a new Eden. You know, if Adam and Eve was the first to be in right relationship with God, then the temple was the new Eden in which Jesus Christ was now the new Adam. He would restore that relationship, that friendship, that Adam and Eve once had before the fall of grace. And see, this is why the temple was covered with symbols of creation. The temple was the restored garden, the friendship that we once had with God before the fall. In the temple, divinity and humanity embraced. The human race was brought into right relationship with God. Now, if someone offered a sacrifice in the temple, it was symbolic of him offering his heart, mind, and soul, his will and his intellect back to God. That person performing that sacrifice was being reconciled back to God. The sins of the nation of Israel was compromised, as well as their integrity, when they sinned against God. In the temple. And yet, what did God do? He did not withdraw his love, but instead, humanity was falling out of right relationship with God through its sins. In fact, things got so bad in the history of the Israelite people that the prophet Ezekiel once said, Lord, the glory left the temple according to the word of God. 
Now, this is one of the most disturbing lines in the whole Bible. Therefore, one of the most deepest aspirations of the Israelites was to reestablish the temple as the place of right praise and worship with God, so that the glory of the Lord might fully return to that temple. Well, if you look throughout the Old Testament, you can hear that longing, that waiting, throughout the writings of the prophets as well as in the Psalms. Now, in light of all this, you go into the first reading from the prophet Malachi. Notice what Malachi says. Thus says the Lord God, Lo, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and suddenly there will come to the temple the Lord whom you seek, and the messenger of the covenant whom you desire. Yes, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who will endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? As the prophet Ezekiel announced the terrible news in which the Lord had left the temple, now Malachi gives us the wonderful news that the Lord now has returned to the temple. Now, in light of all this, we go back to the gospel and what we celebrate today, the presentation of Jesus in the temple. When Joseph and Mary bring Jesus into the temple for the presentation to God, now the prophet Malachi and his word is fulfilled. Jesus is brought into the temple as an infant. Now Jesus reestablishes the glory of God restored in the temple. Look at Simeon, who was present in the temple. He sees all this, and he understands. Simeon, for many, many years, has been watching and waiting for this moment, and now it is upon him. Notice how it's described in the gospel story. It says, The man, Simeon, was a righteous and devout person, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen Christ the Lord. Essentially, Simeon is symbolic of all of Israel at its best. Simeon knew all the Old Testament prophecies, and Simeon embodied them with the expectation and the notion that the Holy Spirit had given him the revelation before his death that he would see the Savior the Savior that would save not just the Israelites, but all of the world. Now, listen to what Simeon says as he holds the infant Jesus in his arms. It says, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace, according to your word. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Here, Simeon is echoing the words of all the Old Testament prophets of Israel. He sees that God now returns to the temple and would indeed resonate that throughout the world, that God now reestablishes friendship with all of humanity. And so Simeon is essentially summarizing all the Old Testament prophets and what they foresaw through Jesus Christ. Now there's more to this story than the return of God's glory to the temple. Mind you, God comes to the temple precisely in human form. Now, that's important for us to really understand and fathom. Indeed, in the form of a little baby. Now, the Son of God, having taken on our human nature, is now presented to the Father, thereby 
the human race is brought back online in right relationship with God. Now, the two things that we need to see here that are moving in tandem with each other. First, God is returning to his temple. And second, God is returning in human form, which means he's coming into the temple as if to make a sacrifice. The Son of God, having seized humanity, now brings humanity back into a right relationship with God, the way it was meant to be before the fall of grace. God is now forming us in right worship of God. Now, the great paradox of Christianity is that this little tiny baby, fully divine and fully human, Jesus Christ, now the Israelites and all of the world have found reconciliation between divinity and humanity. At the pinnacle of Jesus' life, this baby comes to age and would enter the same temple again. This time, Jesus passes judgment upon it as well as declaring his own body as the new temple. As Jesus says in the Gospels, you know, tear down this temple and in three days I will build it up. Well, a few days later on the cross, Jesus would perform the final temple sacrifice, offering himself to the Father on the cross. The final step is the presentation of Jesus in the temple. The presentation of Jesus in the temple, which is perfected on the cross. And now it's represented every time the Mass is celebrated. Just as people came to the temple and offered sacrifice to God, they sacrificed animals to reconcile themselves to, to God, now Jesus, on the cross, he becomes the one true and final sacrifice that reconciles us back to God. That's why he is the true temple. And every time we celebrate Mass, we represent that sacrifice. And Jesus literally offers himself, body and blood, back to the Father as a sacrifice. The presentation of the Lord that we celebrate today, that's what makes this the climax of the cross. It goes on now every time we celebrate Mass. The Son bearing our sins, the sins of the world, represents himself as a sacrifice to the Father in order to establish reconciliation for us. Now, does God need this sacrament? Of course not. This is why we say the Mass is the source and summit of our faith. It affects even now the salvation of the cross, which is the presentation of Jesus in the temple. One last thing to think about. At the end of the story, the prophetess Anna is present also. Now notice what she says. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. When you stop and think about it, that's now our task, our privilege. Every time we gather for Mass, the Eucharist, we pray in thanksgiving for everything that God has done for us, just like Anna did as she gave thanks to God. We recognize just how much God has done for us in our life, especially when we celebrate the Eucharist. And Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is represented to us. And in doing so, through that one sacrifice of Christ, now we have reconciliation. Now we have right relationship to God, the way it used to be before the fall of grace with Adam and Eve. And that's what God wanted 
from the very beginning of time. And now Jesus establishes it for us on the cross. That's why this feast is so important. This feast ties the presentation of Jesus in the temple as an infant to his representation of a sacrifice on the cross. And we recognize that every time we celebrate Mass. In doing so, our hearts, our minds, and our souls are raised up in great thanksgiving for all that God has done for us. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.